This podcast is all about promoting design, usability and experience in Pakistan. Stay tuned till the end of the podcast for behind the scenes and more. This is Imran Hussain and I'm here with my co-host Suleiman Shahid and today's guest is Ali Murtaza. Welcome Ali. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Ali is the UX design lead at uh, Recult, and today we're going to be talking about uh, Ali's work at Recult and his previous work experience and his journey towards design. So nice to have you, uh, Ali. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing, Ali, your journey. How did you reach to this point? And that's also Mahin's question. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, let, let me kind of add to that. Mm-hmm. What got you interested in design? Yeah. And let me add a bit more. <laughs> At what point in your life did you kind of realize that design was something that you really wanted to do? The short answer is when I wasn't getting good grades in school. Okay. <laughs> no, not bad. <laughs> okay. I think that's, that's good enough. Maybe we can move on. <laughs> but I can start with that. Uh, no, actually. So, so what so school did you used to go to? I could, yeah, I, I went to Lahore Alma, uh, which is okay. in, in DHA. So my, to elaborate a bit more on that, my mother is a fashion designer and she had her office and boutique at home. Uh, so her working, sketching, and a lot of colors and clothes and such. And I always were drawing. Right. And then, so fairly early on, I thought that I would either study art. I didn't know design existed. Uh-huh. Or study math. And at some point, I learned that there are ways of combining the two. Mm -hmm. And one of them was architecture. So that was my first, I guess, inkling of wanting to study something design related. And like, how old were you at that time? Oh, when I got introduced to architecture as a possible field, I guess, probably in grade eight or nine. Um, So fairly early on. And I think, so I went through that. But where where I was talking about, or I sort of jokingly said, talked about my bad grades, it was more to do with, so I was was good at math and generally the sciences and art and wasn't really interested in many other subjects. Oh, so that's where the bad grades <laughs> right, right. comes So in. my justification was... Like history and Pakistan studies and... Basically. Your, yeah. Uh, so my justification was that I, I wouldn't be doing this for a career anyway, which is why I sort of defaulted to design. But it, so by the time I was in A-level, I kind of knew that I wanted to study design. But the only field in design that I knew of other than fashion design, which I was never interested in, mm-hmm. uh, was graphic design. And then I found out there were communication design courses or programs. But the only school I knew of in Lahore was NCA. But then somebody at NCA actually suggested that if I wanted to study design, I should go to BNU, which I didn't know existed. I had BNU in 20, 2006, and I think I made a good decision to go there. So graduated in 2010 with a degree in communication design with a minor in illustration. Somewhere during that time, I also realized that I loved working with 3D objects and basically building things a lot more than just say illustration or 2D media. And that's when I started learning a bit more about different fields of design and came across industrial design and finally figured that all my love for math and (laughs) science and building things could actually come together together in this one field. Mm. So yeah, started looking at industrial design programs, thankfully got a Fulbright scholarship to pursue that and went to SCAD to study industrial design. So that's my academic journey. Okay, great. And you had a support from home for this? Yeah, I actually <laughs> did. Uh, it probably helps to have a mother right, fashion right. designer. You never know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> so, so I, I did from immediate immediate family. But the fu- funny thing was that uh, because I was also good at math, and that was something. I, that was almost like my party trick as a kid. Like when I was really small, people would sort of call me over and say, oh, add these five numbers together or divide these two numbers. Nice. So everyone sort of knew that I was good at calculating. Okay. Uh, so off that, they had based, uh, a lot of people had assumed that I would study engineering or math because it made sense. So even though I had support from family and I never really had a problem there, 
and I decided fairly early on, uh, as I said, that I wanted to study design. But some sl- slightly further away family members were devastated that I was wasn't studying math or <laughs> going to design school, and I, w- I heard things like you're gonna destroy your life. Right, right. I I heard things like बर्बाद हो जाएगी. बिल्कुल. It's like, oh, don't you want to do anything with your life? Don't you want a job? <laughs> What are you doing? Um, thankfully, it's sort of come around to where uh, most people. I I think down the line realized that it was <laughs> made the right choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I had support from um mm-hmm. everyone close. Well, actually if if you kind of look back, so you started out you, you started your program in what year? Uh, undergrad in 2006. 2006. Well, I think even then it, there probably wasn't that kind of a a design ecosystem and landscape, you know, like you have right now. Yeah. So, I can understand people who were skeptical you know they probably had good reasons to be skeptical because design wasn't as kind of widely understood as it is today even today it's not well understood at all but still it's, it's better than 10 years ago no for sure 30 years ago for sure and i actually think that that change has happened even more recently than that hmm. because i went for grad school in 2012 2 3 years i think right, i'm right. talking about pakistan specifically right it's probably the, the last 3 years at least personally I kind of feel this things have kind of tipped mm-hmm. towards awareness and maturing a yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I agree. A bit. Yeah. yeah. So when I went for when went for grad school in 2012, I still had to explain to a lot of people what why for instance they should pay a designer for for doing something <laughs> and why you couldn't bring something when it was already made to a designer and then say now design it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do free logos. <laughs> <laughs> and right. And all of that. But I think so when I uh, because I I had to come back in 2015 after grad school I was really scared of being able to uh, apply any of my skills to uh, in Pakistan because even from 2012 my assumption was that I'll have to go back and kind of get a graphic design job somewhere so the the safest option was teaching because mm-hmm. I was like oh th- that's the yeah. one thing I can at least apply what I've learned uh-huh. uh, and I actually assume that any work that I do will be very visual design centered that that's actually similar to my story as well like um, assuming that I could only teach when I came to Pakistan uh, which turned out to be wrong but that's I'm not going to talk about myself <laughs> in this episode so this kind of fear or concern or assumption that uh, you wouldn't be able to get a job as a designer even today people have those concerns you know like we met someone me and Suleiman met someone about a few months ago who had come over and did a degree in design and innovation and worked in a media agency for mm-hmm. about a year right so this is still with, a phenomena yeah? and with the fear yeah. that you know uh, that person would not be able to find a job and without even thinking that if that person would explore around there might be opportunities out there mm-hmm. so you know that's that's a fear right yeah i mean yeah. people do explore obviously yeah. but the perception is that you can't probably can't make a career in design right. so even right. today even today you know yeah no i i completely so, agree so that basically you know kind of the, puts a lot of responsibility on people like us and everyone else yeah. in working the field design but, to create more awareness mm-hmm. yeah. but the sad part is still you know there are not very well polished career paths in design also mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so if you look at maybe software development you have a very well polished right. uh, you can look at that at the tunnel and there's a light there because you know you'll be a manager right. uh, but when you look at the design i think we don't have this well polished well crafted mm-hmm. paths you know so the career doesn't progress in the way you would expect maybe in frog or in maybe mm-hmm. idu or maybe in usa so i think that's another thing you know which is very important for us to sort of establish that for sure what do you think about it what can we do maybe about it that we can establish the system that right. we we have a career path for young generation no that's actually a very good point i think there just aren't 
enough steps to that ladder in yeah. design in yeah. Pakistan. And as you said, that's uh, which isn't the case for a lot of other fields that have been around for longer or in these forms for longer. But the the encouraging thing is that I recently sent out a, a job po- uh, job opening post for a couple of design positions, and we received a lot of really good resumes. And people have the expectation of being paid well, which is good because which is it, good. Yeah, right, which, is good. which means that people understand that their design skills aren't cheap, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. certainly aren't free. Something to be valued, right? And they certainly aren't free. And um, moreover, since I, I teach at a uh, at a public university. A lot of the students that I I teach, they get to undergrad without knowing that design is a career that somebody could do or uh, could pursue. They can make a career out of it. Right. So I'm I'm pro, I'm a, for, for a lot of students, I'm the first designer they've met who has a career that say their parents would approve of. Right. Uh, <laughs> they, they they obviously know designers, but those are usually fashion designers or something along those lines. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of uh, but the uh, and the other aspect of this is that I which is sort of like a again not I'm not saying this is a good thing. But I know of a lot more engineers who are looking for jobs but not finding them mm-hmm. than designers. Yeah. So there's obviously a supply and demand thing where there are just less, fewer designers graduating every year. But uh, there are certainly and a lot of... And demand's increasing. Right, demand's yeah. increasing. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that sort of thing that we're talking about where the perception needs to change is actually happening because people are realizing that after getting the degrees that people thought were the safe career choices, a lot of pe- very good talented students aren't finding jobs. Right. Uh, whereas yeah. the design de- or the degrees that people thought weren't career oriented or weren't didn't give you safety for for a career, those students find jobs. Yeah. But as Suleiman said, the ladder or how many steps you can take on that on that path isn't quite defined. But I do feel that since that first step has become really obvious now yeah. and is available, yeah. um, which wasn't a few years ago, I think we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there are a number of things that are coming together and have a role to play to create more awareness so one of them is obviously education mm. so when people like yourselves teach design yeah. then students will ho- hopefully become better skilled and they will look at people like yourself and say well hey this guy's made a career out of design so yeah, yeah. i can too uh, secondly <clears throat> our market dynamics you know mm-hmm. the, the supply yeah you know supply will create demand as well hopefully so I think slowly and, and gradually I, things will come together. And I think there's together. also maybe you can comment better on it because you, you look at arts and design in, in a very you know different but also in a connected manner. I think there was a lot of confusion, you know, what arts is and what mm-hmm. design is and how sort of arts leads into design and this whole debate. But I think now people have a clear understanding maybe uh, maybe also at a school level that mm-hmm. what art is and mm-hmm. what functional design is right. and what would pay immediately, what would pay when you, when you, when you sort of... Right, fifty years old. <laughs> right, you know, so I think this distinction has also helped people to be more functional towards design. For well, sure, and no, I think that's definitely happened. Yeah. I think that we still do have a long way to go because I know some extremely well-traveled, well-educated people in positions uh, of influence mm. yeah. who still will sort of introduce not just me but a lot of designers as artists. Artists, <laughs> the artist. He's, yeah. yeah, he's the artist. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> while I do respect, respect. Art, artists and art as well, yeah. I really sort of like. Cringe gnash my teeth a little. Yeah, like, oh, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I um, yeah. So it's it, it, there. There's still a long way to go there. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I do. Uh, I think the the aspect of that that has changed and really helped is that a lot of uh, engineers and a lot of computer scientists, for instance, are finding out about design in Pakistan in the in the last or have found out in the last few years about the value of it, about the value of learning those skills. And since the positions that sort of higher up positions in companies 
in Pakistan usually aren't held by designers. Mm. Designers like ourselves do, often don't have the ability to, for instance, hire people uh, or sort uh, teach our companies about the value of design. Mm. But if somebody who's <clears throat> at the top of a software company, na- so a software firm, now understands why designers are paid a lot around around the world, and then <clears throat> sorry, and then says that. I want to bring in two designers and pay them as much as an engineer with that amount of experience. Mm-hmm. So they have that sort of their buy into design has that has that ability to change people's perceptions a lot a lot more yeah, yeah, than somebody yeah. some, that I could. Yeah. yeah. So, so definitely <clears throat> having more people in C level <coughs> positions or senior management positions who understand design, the value of design, uh, also has a big role to play in creating this momentum right. and this this change, you know. Yeah. And it really varies from organization to organization, but all the organizations that, that we know about where design has happened, that's always been with senior management mm-hmm. uh, commitment. You know? Right, so, right. So I think... Because uh, you have to show them maybe the value also yeah, from, yeah. from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. It pays mm-hmm. back and then, of course, the senior, senior right. management, you know, right. can endorse this thing. And if you have a designer on the top, I think... It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mo- most companies today are run by business people mm-hmm. or by people who have a technology background, mm-hmm. engineers. So right. I-, I think we still need to do a lot of a lot on the educational front in design schools and business schools. For sure. I think for that, sure. That's that's but really important. I actually uh, <laughs> sort of uh, when you mentioned especially with people from business school, in my experience uh, in Pakistan, a much easier time. And this scene, I I wouldn't have assumed this. Mm-hmm. But I've had a much easier time explaining the value of design to engineers in Pakistan than to business people. And, <laughs> and I, I think would so much love to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I want to kind of kind of delve into this a bit. Okay, another well, podcast maybe. <laughs> uh, just a bit. Just okay. a bit. Right. Okay, okay. Why do you think this is so? Okay, so I, I was getting to this. <laughs> but, Great. So this is a this is a real like a weird. Uh, I think uh, twist of fate in some way. Mm-hmm. Where do you guys know of the Dunning Kruger effect? The, yeah, I, I, so it's a yeah. so the, it, to really sum it up. Yeah, it's about so you. If the you, only if Kruger you, I know is the is that guy who used to that kind of villain on the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, 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 This guy's a social. Let's go back to it. Peace. So anyhow, I, I wouldn't go into that. But the idea idea being that. When you know a subject or any skill a, a, a little bit, you're probably the most confident about knowing it. So, for instance, when you, if you ever started to learn a musical instrument, mm-hmm. the first week you're really confident that you're becoming Eric Clapton, and after after that sort of uh, initial curve plateaus a little, it's really difficult to get past it because it takes a lot of commitment to get get to it. Right. But most people sort of stick to the first part, and that's natural. <laughs> so I kind of equate that to how my understanding of how why I was, I was talking about business school. I know a lot of people who've taken a couple of design thinking workshops or one design course in business school. So now they know, they think they know design, so they don't need to hire a designer. So they've done a course in design thinking, and now they think they are now design experts. Right, and yes. they and not just on a particular part of design, but design. So there's there's a there's a, a phrase I think in Urdu Neem Hakim Khatrajan Khatrajan Neem Mullah Khatrajan Right. I met such a person. I told that person, you know, there's a design degree in the world. Right. Right. <laughs> there, there are people, people spend there, their lives there, there are studying. Out there, you know, they study design <laughs> as a field, as a discipline, and right. then they get a degree, and then they do these things. Right. So there's more to it. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I just want to go back a bit in time and ask you about your time in graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a bit about it? What yeah. did you study? 
what was the experience like and how did you come out of it? I mean, so uh, I went to SCAD, which is Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia, which is, a, I think, a pretty popular yeah, yeah, and it's it a, is pretty a well known, well known. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a beautiful town as well. Yeah, it's in, in Georgia, I think. Yeah. So when you get the Fulbright scholarship, you kind of give them your for like four preferences for schools, and then they help you with placements. Uh, well, so what, what do you need to do to get a Fulbright scholarship? Like ten uh, uh, A stars? Or? <laughs> no. So there, there's a there's a long sort of form that you fill out, write a couple of. Rec- uh, you do a very research. good job in interview. That's the most important. That's thing. true. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, uh, so because they help you with placements, my SCAD was, I think, my second choice after Art Center. Anyhow, I, I got to SCAD and very quickly I fell in love with the place and still am. And so my degree was industrial design, and I sort of focused a lot within that on interaction design. So I took every interaction design elective that I could get, uh, but also the, the I think the, the few things that I learned the most at uh, most in at SCAD. One, one of them was uh, this collaborative learning uh, collaborative learning program that SCAD has in which every semester, every quarter, a few companies come and present uh, potential projects. So actually the year I left, NASA came in, which was bad timing on my, on my part. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but anyhow, so uh, they'll come in and then they'll talk about a project they want to work on. And then you can apply to be part of that project. And uh, so basically if you, if you get selected, uh, and they'll, for instance, say that we, we need six industrial designers and six illustrators and so on. And if you get selected, you're on that sort of design team for the length of the quarter. And that counts as a studio course. So you're working on a real world project yeah. for a real company alongside other sort of students around from SCAD, who, often from different dis- disciplines. And it's super intense because SCAD wants to also basically use, a, use this as an opportunity to show off how amazing their work is. The company demands a whole project within that like six uh, or eight, eight week period. Mm-hmm. And you're working alongside other people who were selected for that very role out of, I don't know, how many thousand students. So it's super intense, uh, high expectations. And I learned so much in that course about... And it has real world applicability. Right, right. So that's, I, I actually think that I, I mentioned that specifically because I think that's the sort of thing we need to be doing in Pakistan as yeah. well. How we get studio there. Studio courses. Right. Design studio courses. I think it's, it's probably the most effective way to teach and learn design. For sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so there was that. Another thing that I did was sort of an internship, but it was at this local studio called Working Class Studio, which is basically, you can imagine, sort of like an Etsy-like uh, they had an they had an online store mm-hmm. selling sort of household you plates and cushions and cups and such like uh, things like these lamps and uh, and so on, and you could again apply to be part of that for for a, for a quarter if you get selected that's for studio course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again you're working on something that that will hopefully get built, um, and you so you have to think about exactly how it's going to get built where you can save money on that by the production cost and all, and then uh, out of all the students who are in that course usually one project gets picked up for production. Uh, so everyone's aiming for that. Uh, for that, While doing that, you need to consider all the actual applications of a product being built. It can't just be like, oh, I've, I've, this is what I want to make. So this is my cool render mm-hmm. because nobody really wants that. <clears throat> so you learn that a lot in that. So these were the courses I think that taught me a lot, not just about industrial design, but about working in teams uh, and also I think teaching because I want to, even if we can't do that in Pakistan right now, I want some some aspects of those uh, of those courses in my in my courses mm. as far as I can. Uh, so these were a couple of things then of course just in grad school spending all day and all night working with your peers uh, <laughs> not sleeping for 48 hours the usual student <laughs> right, the usual <laughs> the usual <laughs> stuff yeah. uh, uh-huh. drinking too much too many en- energy drinks and <laughs> too much having too much fast food right, the yeah. usual right. uh, and then for a, a summer I worked at Dolby Labs in San Francisco in their head office 
And that was probably even more than the other two, the job or the three months that I learned most in. Because what were you doing at, at Dolby Labs? So it was, it was really interesting because they had advertised for two intern, intern positions in the, in the design team. One was for a, for a graphic designer and one for an industrial designer. And since my undergrad was visual communication and did, I had... Do they have physical products? Right. Yeah. So they, they were just working on the first physical products when I, when I uh, was there for the, uh, for the summer. So they actually ended up hiring me for kind of a middle ground between both positions. Mm, uh -huh. So my portfolio kind of worked really well for that for that application. I was kind of Neem Hakim of <laughs> design and industrial design, but that's luckily what they wanted. Okay. Uh, so I worked with uh, there in, uh, for uh, for about three months. Uh -huh. And the really cool thing about Dolby was that they were just in the process of becoming a design-centered company. So they had just hired over the last couple of years, hired uh, about eight people from Frog, a few from IDEO, basically putting together in smart design, putting together this sort of perfect design team for about 15 people. Okay. And actually when I came in, I think there were 12 people and I was the 13th and the Vince uh, Voron, who was the head of uh, marketing, who used to be the head of marketing at uh, Coke, basically told me that I wasn't an, wasn't an intern, I was their 13th designer. Uh, which meant that I, on the first day, found out that I wasn't here to serve coffee. <laughs> I had to work with, with 12 people from IDEO and Smart and Frog, these people that I'd sort of like uh, idealized. Right. And suddenly for three months, I'll be the 13th person on that team. Right. So uh, did that put pressure on you or did that create excitement or...? I think both those... How did you, how did you go together <laughs> almost every time where of course it's intimidating and especially with that so i had no experience of working with working outside pakistan in design was so, that your first like, yeah. job uh, outside pakistan, outside so, pakistan. So, so suddenly you move on from i'd worked at a couple of digital marketing agencies before before going to the us okay. so you move from making like facebook posts social media posts, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you, now you're working likes. right so. now you're working with somebody who was associate creative director at frog yeah. and somebody who was the creative director at uh, ideo and then your the your last job was making <laughs> facebook posts for nestle <laughs> <laughs> with the juice placed in the right corner right yeah. so, so that's so that a, enough likes so, so it's definitely intimidating yeah, but yeah, yeah. exciting mm. so one thing you know i really would like to ask about that how over the period of time the process changed you know the design process how your visual communication degree how your industrial design degree your job and you know over the time you work has affected or improved uh, your overall working process you know you gave a very interesting talk in ux pakistan mm -hmm. the first time we did it you know you have you talked about two different products or journeys and then you said at the end of the day things sink right you know but when i look at it from a very different perspective you know you when you start working uh, on a very specific product for the bottom billion users mm -hmm. or a high-end customer who gonna wear a hundred dollar watch mm -hmm. how this whole process changes uh, you know uh, where it is and mm -hmm. how do you sort of control that right you know so uh, so no, that's a that's a very good question that we could probably spend a lot of time on. <laughs> so I'll try uh, being succinct with this. So with my undergrad in communication design, a lot of the stuff that you were making was um, I still I think had a focus on utilitarian design in some way, mm. uh, but because it's about communication, so you are already thinking about what your audience is. You need to figure out whether it's signage in some place or even if it's a presentation that you're making. Mm. You think about your audience. They just happen to be sort of in a group that you're treating as a group. But uh, so that I think part still remains where you need to think about who you're making it for. But very soon after that, you jump to how you can make it look nice. Mm. And that's that's that was always from my perspective. So I would think of, oh, this is an audience. I need to probably, these are the kind of words I'll be using. So I was thinking somewhat of the audience. 
but in the end all the decisions of how it looks would be mine and i think that's the biggest change that happened in grad school where i suddenly realized that as a as a designer my job wasn't to put my aesthetic choices on anyone else and if i had a couple of degrees in design didn't mean that i could suddenly make somebody else's decisions for them about the product they'll be using right. i think that's the biggest flip and, and and industrial design i think kind of forces you to think mm. think that certainly and the other thing was that uh, before grad school i would usually make a couple of sketches about how something should look and just jump right in mm-hmm. uh, but one of my first courses that i took in grad school which was i think human factors we were forced to or we were asked to make at least 50 sketches every time we were, we had an idea um and what i realized what I realized there was that if you, if you have to make 50 sketches 50 different sketches not just different angles of the same thing mm-hmm. so 50 ideas so if i for instance ask you to think about what a toothbrush looks like you probably have five kind of toothbrushes in your mind you force yourself to think about other variations you can probably get to 15 if you're really creative you can get to 20 but when you need to get to the 21st sketch you're like oh now what do i do oh let's combine this with this that's exactly. 21st then you make five more out of that variation by the time you get to like 35 40 you're making some crazy stuff that you never thought of Right. And and some that so it's like forcing you to become more creative in a way. Right. Yeah. And by by forcing that uh, forcing you to get to a place within that that line of thought that you would literally never have reached unless you got rid of all your initial 30 things that were in your head. So it's sort of a process of getting to that thing and you can't jump there because if you jump you try if you think oh this is the 31st idea I would have had it's not it's the first idea you had. Mm-hmm. So I think that really changed the way I still think about design. So when I'm even making an interface I'll force myself to at least make 10 variations even if um or of the same screen mm-hmm. because I know that I have three in my head and I know where these buttons could go but by the time I I'm at 7 or 8 I suddenly get an idea or I have to have an idea that I already didn't have in my head so that's sort of like a, uh, the other thing that I think I really picked up on in grad school and have followed since very interesting and one quick thing and then you know we can go to the next thing you know uh, I happened to uh, study also in industrial design mm-hmm. you know for a couple of years it was fun time one thing you know the the form and the function thing uh, brings lots of conflicts uh, you know so and mm-hmm. and and then which comes first and how do you sort of balance that out might not be a very uh, obvious thing in industrial design right. but when we talk about it in product design industrial design uh, there is a lot of conflict there mm-hmm. so how do you uh, what is your thought on that you know was it easy for you to disconnect from that industrial design process and then live in this digital world or you still bring knowledge from um, industrial design mm-hmm. human factors and then use that in digital world how do you balance that out i i i actually think that uh, and this could just be because i'm biased towards industrial <laughs> design but i think moving from physical design of products into digital is much easier than it would be at, uh, at least from my perspective to go the other way around if my training was in digital products and i knew how to make an interface uh, work for different kinds of users suddenly if i was Uh, told to design a chair for that same user i i don't think i could have done that so because when you're uh, and i don't know why that is and we can probably think about this a little deeper uh, but uh, i do think that a lot of the same principles apply so when you uh, whereas in industrial design when you start building the form of course that dictates some of what you're building uh, that sort of natural um, hands on uh, thing uh, process of building things but even there if your if your process involves making 50 variations you're already sort of stepping away from the thing that you really wanted to make yeah. you're already trying to f- go beyond that and then when you start applying uh, good human te- good user testing to it uh, really thinking about user uh, users researching them that same thing i think applies to yeah. to the digital form uh, so it could be my bias yeah. and yours no, but, but same I, for me i i agree on this i think uh, 
uh, moving from um, industrial to digital is easier. But I think I have seen and I've, I've thought about it also that, you know, when you take a digital design as a screen design, uh, it's much easier to move from industrial to screen design. Mm -hmm. But when you take everything as a, uh, when you think about UX design, I think that the shift is very complex because when you think about all touch points mm -hmm. and you know the complete user experience, you know sometimes you know you need this extra knowledge For which sure. can only come right, from right. digital design, which industrial design doesn't give you. Right. So I, I when I sort of transfer from industrial to digital on a very screen level, on an app level, I think that might be an easier move. But mm -hmm. then when you think about this whole architecture of experience, you think, nay, you know, <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't get enough industrial design. I need right. to think about all those things. Multiple touch way. points yeah. and you know, yeah. right. user scenarios and yeah. all those things. Exactly. So, so I have a slightly different mm -hmm. question. Um, do you think your degree in industrial design helps you as a digital designer? Do you think, um, I mean, for people listening out mm -hmm. there, uh, is, it some, is it a path that you would encourage? So say someone wants to go into digital de design, mm -hmm. would taking an industrial de uh, degree, uh, ind industrial design degree, help them in becoming a user experience designer? Or right. Not. Uh, no, and I, if I, so, in what way? Right. So I, I definitely think it would, and I, I have a lot of friends who have who are working at the biggest tech companies in the world, at design firms, as user experience designers, mm -hmm. who've uh, who have industrial design degrees. So actually, most of my peers uh, during, uh, from SCAD who, had, uh, the, who got their industrial design degrees, whether that's undergrad or grad or master's degrees, uh, ended up getting UX design jobs. So that's definitely, uh, in terms of getting that job and doing well at it, that's definitely a, a path that you can follow. I, since I don't know enough about UX, UX design specific courses or digital design courses, uh, especially at the grad school level. I can't really comment on how much better that is than, than that. But I do think that because in my experience, and as well as a lot of my friends, you can move from industrial to digital fairly easily in terms of, well, well again, while having the right sort of skills for it, I'm not sure if, if the other way would be as possible. I, don't, I, I can't think of UX designers getting, or at, maybe interaction designers who work with digital interfaces for, say, in, as part of their education, getting industrial design jobs. Um, so I, th I feel like while that may still be a better path to follow to just get a get an interaction design degree, I don't know if you you have enough as much flexibility as you would with a with an industrial design. You're listening to the Design Better podcast. Okay, so moving on, so tell us more about tell us a bit about you, what you're doing right now at uh, Recult. Mm -hmm. So at Recult, you're the UX design lead. Yep. What does your role kind of entail? What are your responsibilities? Mm -hmm. and, and tell us about Recult right. as well. Uh, so Recult is an agri-tech startup. We started about three years ago and the, the two co-founders, one's Pakistani, one's Thai, they met at MIT, had very similar ideas and they pitched their individual ideas at a startup competition and then realized they were pitching the same thing for two different countries, okay. uh, sort of talk, uh, <laughs> which smarted them to talk to each other. Right, um, definitely helps to talk to each other. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> working, working in silos and, and solo doesn't right, really right. help. Yeah. Um, so uh, what, what was the idea? So the idea was, I think, well, it's pivoted a few uh, few times, I think, over the last three years, which, uh -huh. is, I, which I think is a good, uh, good exercise for any startup. But the basic idea was, how can we help farmers, small farmers in our countries, uh, with technology that's sort of like the overarching theme of it mm -hmm. and then there, there have been a few ideas that have sort of been tried realized that those wouldn't work and then you sort of pivot to what's working and what do you think the right opportunity is 
and especially in in agriculture in Pakistan as well as Thailand because these our economy is very heavily dependent on agriculture right and there isn't as much technological or yeah te- technological uh, penetration in the, in those industries there are so many opportunities that you only really find when when you get deep into that into into the system um so while they had some perceptions of what they could do those fairly changed fairly quickly when they got to their respective countries and started working on it right. uh, so now we're building uh, we're at a stage where we have this we have this app for farmers uh, that we've been sort of working on with some pilot users a few hundred users for a while and then we're we're building a few products for uh, businesses that are involved in the in the agri agri ecosystem and my job really uh, how i see it is to represent our users to the rest of the company mm-hmm. so i go out in the field with with my teammates in pakistan as well as a couple of times in thailand uh, to understand our farmers understand our stakeholders as well, as uh, well as as we can and then be the representative in our process of what we're building uh, so i i only joined 3 months ago but we've already changed quite a few things since i joined um because I, as with a lot of uh, a lot of tech startups the technology often gets built to uh, to a large extent because that's also part of how you get funding for instance you build some novel technology you get funding on it and then whether that you the, your users or the users you assumed want it or, or not can sometimes take a long time to uh, sort of figure out so my job really has been to figure out what part of that technology or those techno- those features that we've been building our farmers need and what form they need them in Uh, so it's a bit of bit of research on their needs understanding their pain points and a lot of user testing and fixing the things we've built so that's sort of like yeah that's the larger picture of my role yeah so so when we think of agriculture especially in pakistan then the agricultural industry then itself is generally perceived as a very low tech mm-hmm. industry and the people working within this industry are also usually not very highly educated so when you're developing you know digital technology for such an industry and a target market what are the challenges that companies face like recalt and mm-hmm. and how do you overcome those those kind of challenges um so actually the reason i uh, also summarize my role as being the farmer's representative uh, in the company is that a lot of the challenges come from us at whether that's recult or any other company working in agriculture in pakistan the people building that technology be, being very very different from the people who who are going to use it and that's really where ux design comes in really fits in really perfectly mm-hmm. uh, because the whole objective is to understand the user and to step into their feet yeah. uh, into the shoes and understand their mental model right and then mm-hmm. build whatever they will understand hmm. and then test it out with them so it's sort of the core design process and i think this is one of the biggest so a lot of companies over the years have thrown in a lot of money hmm. at agritech in pakistan not many have succeeded uh, actually around the world too so it's it's not like uh, whoever's failed you know to to get their product working in agritech necessarily made a bad product mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them did and a lot of the reasons for that are not understanding the user well enough well i i would actually say that if it didn't if if wasn't accepted by the user mm-hmm. then it's probably not a good product right you know so so it's actually so the so the, regardless of you know how good the or, or you know no matter how good the skills of the designers were mm-hmm. in terms of interaction design or visual design or the underlying technology if it's not being used by the farmers mm-hmm. and it's, if it's not useful for them then it can't be a good product right so uh, i i i understand i agree uh but there are other complications within specifically mm-hmm. within agri- uh, agritech that m- make it an industry where you could actually make the world's best 
product for your farmer for your farmers and still not succeed yeah and the reasons for that are really complex but at the core the the so could you talk about that yeah a bit more, so part of it is that firstly smartphone penetration for instance mm-hmm. is fairly small mm-hmm. uh, so even if you make a really good product and the farmers who get access to it who have smartphones and can use it if the, even if they use it really really easily and it works for them there might be there there might be inherent limitations within your product where you need say a critical mass of users using a product or a feature for it to really work for everyone so the so so, pe- so the the end users need to have smartphones right so a lot of that's that's one big hurdle mm-hmm. but then because the agri system that the way it works in Pakistan and I think I can talk more specifically about Punjab because that's where we we've, we've been working more has so many varied stakeholders who have played more or less the same role for centuries that it's not just about so our farmers would be one node in that really complex ecosystem mm-hmm. and they're often not in control of most of it mm-hmm. uh, so even if you build the perfect product for the farmer and they can use it and if you happen to have enough smartphones the system could still fail because 10 other stakeholders don't want it to want it to work yeah. or uh, or maybe your product that was meant to meant for the farmers uh, eats into somebody else's business or somebody else's uh, interests and they have more power and a startup or any company even really big companies sometimes can influence enough of the stakeholders to make the system work so it becomes a fairly big service design problem within within that as well so it actually so this kind of reinforces that success is not necessarily tied to designing and developing products it's about the overall ecosystem and the overall kind of service mm-hmm. you know understanding all the various components of that and you know working out solutions right. you know right. within within which a specific product or products can exist successfully mm-hmm. yeah so basically what is required is a more holistic approach mm-hmm. towards uh, designing products for sure yeah and i, I think i very completely good. agree i think that's a very very important point i think very one important. of the best one of the best Absolutely. takeaways from the podcast also for yeah. especially for young designers working yeah no you know but you already have takeaways yeah, yeah so we already have takeaways but i think because that's very important for young designers to understand design that design sometimes doesn't fail because it's a bad product design the 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 socioeconomic aspects the you know the demographics you know the many yeah. so, so so many other factors do play a role in mm-hmm. this thing yeah? because design can fail at a business model level and then you know a product can fail at a business model level mm-hmm. on penetration level i think all those components right. are right. very important you know right. for the ecosystem to build and and mm-hmm. move forward but do you sometimes you really feel that uh, it's just not the right time for mm-hmm. that product you know right. you, you there's so many examples in the world you know the uh, people say ipod was an overnight success mm-hmm. after 6 years you know mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know so it was a big success right, it just right. took them a night and then, uh, you know and the phone Uh, iPhone took oh, yeah. you know uh, overnight success but then if you look at the journey mm-hmm. you know for me as a as a designer I have worked with all those devices before mm-hmm. iPhone right. we did complain about it but that we also achieved a lot of things right, right. those bad devices be it PAM or be mm-hmm. it you know Windows C devices mm-hmm. uh, e- e- even before the even iPhone before came that, out Apple did something with some telco I think Motorola yeah. and, yeah. uh, and it, Apple it, terribly it, it, failed it, it with the services right, right. Uh, you you know me.com uh, for <laughs> example it was a big failure so sometimes and then iCloud become a big hit right, right. you know so this journey uh, so what do you, do you think yeah. is the right time or? no i think so that that's actually one of the big questions as well where and the the problem with with that is that we don't really know yeah uh, so the big, probably the biggest or the easiest th- or actually the toughest thing to over- overcome would be timing yeah. so if you have a great product and not just for uh, and not just talking about recall basically anyone if you have a great product you work out the service you figure out all the stakeholders 
but it's just two years too early. That can fail, and if it's two years too late, late. that can fail too. Uh, and that's so, that's the one aspect which I don't know if anyone has control over. Yeah. Because suddenly the thing that Apple made one year yeah. and it was too early, yeah. it was perfect two years later. later. And you can only really find that out when you make it. Yeah. So, and which is why I think we're, and I'm probably very far away from somebody who has the personality to be a startup founder. <laughs> because I feel like I could not deal with that uh, on my shoulders, on, on, shoulders. On, on that uncertainty on my shoulders. <laughs> so I can go into somebody else's, somebody else who can uh, work with somebody else who can take that risk and be like, mm-hmm. okay, so now you've decided the timing. Right. I can try to make this work. You know, uh, one important thing here we also forget is that, you know, that the government regulations play a fundamental role. You know, how sure. on such a big scale on a national level, when things are happening, how the government is supporting, the infrastructure is supporting, that's a big thing. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, and we never know, you know, especially in the motherland, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, we have no idea yeah. how these things would unfold. You know, we yeah. have a scheme, uh, we have a policy one, right. uh, after a new government, we have a policy uh, number two, and then the conflict. And yeah. then, because there's a difference between making an app or let's say a social media app that yeah. a person is going to use in complete isolation Nation. from mm-hmm. whatever else right. is going out, uh, around in the world uh, versus you know, right. making a, a, an app for farmers it's and there's a there's complex. an industry of agriculture and mm-hmm. which is tied to a, even a bigger system right. of the socio-economic, you know, factors uh, where there are different stakeholders yeah. and the government is one of them. So and it's then, pretty you know, And then, you know, and, and I think in, in the case of Pakistan, this thing would actually dramatically change when you change your province. Mm-hmm. You know, so for, uh-huh. sure. for example, you might have a better story in Punjab but mm-hmm. then maybe when you go to maybe Sindh or Balochistan, uh, you have no idea right, that right. how things are going to work. For, we are working on one project, which is a national project. We're doing some research in four different provinces. And when we leave Blochistan and go to GB, we, it absolutely feel that we're in a different country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the regulations, the way people work, think, the, the training, everything else is right. just Language dramatically well. different. Right. Language, Language well. also. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they are two different worlds. Yeah. So when you start thinking about a design that is generalizable for Pakistan, no, I find it very hard to yeah, yeah. You know, understand. I don't design for Pakistan. I actually, I, I was talking, to this, uh, t- talking about this quite a while ago with a friend who, so an American friend who was talking about how different states in the US are have their own cultures. Yeah. And that's nothing compared to the cultural difference between the different provinces in Pakistan. Yeah. And so oftentimes, as you said, regulation changes by different pro- in different provinces, the language changes, the way people talk to you, the, people, pe- the way people use technology, all of that changes. And at the, at the national level, you literally never know that tomorrow the government could ban UX designers. Actually, I hope... I somebody hope there aren't any government officials out there listening. <laughs> somebody could tell somebody that oh, these UX designers are are making these things which do something that you don't like, and then they go to ban on UX designers. This is the real, this real ad hoc mode we, <laughs> right. we live in. I think that's a that's a problem. That's okay. a so um, I'd really like to know, Ali, what is the promise of AgriTech? Ooh. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> I think I'm not sure if I can sum it up, but I think the reason I got excited about working in it, and I. I think it's a very exciting field to be part of, uh, especially in Pakistan, is because agriculture is just agriculture is what our not just our what we eat or what what yeah what we eat is dependent on, but in Pakistan's case our economy depends on it. How much? Uh, what is what? I, I'm what not sure of the figures, so I don't want to misquote. This is the biggest sector in Pakistan for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm just curious, in, in, like, in terms of numbers. Uh, nowadays, the what is it? Like, I'm not sure. No, we can okay. look that up. Yeah, and okay. post it with yeah. this podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so the the point being that, and a lot of most of our population still lives in rural rural areas, and predominantly works in 
agriculture. But we are, as designers, as engineers, working in uh, working on products, working in areas that don't contribute one hundredth of that to our uh, national economy, mm-hmm. which is fine. I, I I love doing other work too, but somehow there's this giant beast that is still. Uh, somehow in an era where so in a position where we it hasn't been dealt with or hasn't been uh, introduced uh, to technology and especially to sort of a combination of technology and design so a lot of uh, over the last few years a lot of companies uh, as well as the government has thrown in a lot of money a lot of a lot of technology at uh, agricultural problems but i think a core element that's been missing in a lot of that is design yeah. uh, which is where seeing that there's been hundreds and hundreds and millions of rupees spent on trying to somehow solve or make things easier in, for people working in, in agriculture with technology and then seeing that a lot of them from at least from what I from my vantage point fail because not enough research was done not proper research was done there wasn't enough commitment of design to understand people's problems mm-hmm. and then seeing an opportunity where I could try doing that even if it it's at a scale at a, at a startup scale rather than at a government scale mm-hmm. uh, but trying to see if we can solve some of those or at least make some progress on that using design so right. it's a, it's a very interesting combination but it's just the fact that it's giant beast that we haven't quite dealt with and now there's an opportunity so can you talk about uh, a couple of use cases or where digital technology can really help <clears throat> um, farmers just so we I got numbers just to add oh, that yeah, in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, so yeah, it's please, yeah. 19.5% of our GDP. Mm-hmm. And for the, in terms of labor force, it's 42.3% of the labor force. That's and if Pakistan's yeah. GDP is about $305 billion, so, you know, mm-hmm. it's... $60 billion almost. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a big... So 42% of your GDP. Uh, and 42%, sorry, of your workforce works workforce in this one industry. In the industry. And then... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, three hundred five billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then we 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 think, that's for instance, massive. the social yeah, media industry is really big. It's yeah. like, no, no, no. <laughs> Go to a village and you'll find more farmers. Forty percent. You know, it's yeah. a big market. And I think before you answer the question, I think there are professions which are new, and to fix those with technology is much easier than mm-hmm. the ones which are with us from the thousands of years. Yeah. We have, you know, we don't know how to disconnect from that uh, right. in norms. Uh, there are social norms. There are cultural norms. There are economic norms. Uh, the whole ecosystem is tied mm-hmm. together and we've been doing it without even thinking about it uh, from the thousands of years right, maybe right. Or at least hundreds of years right. so bring technology <clears throat> in and disrupt the ecosystem uh, is much more difficult mm-hmm. than, than saying the uber has come in and mm-hmm. you know uh, disrupt the car right, uh, right. market uh, mm-hmm. yeah I, I do understand the value <laughs> of that but i think we're talking about a much more complex ecosystem yeah, in, yeah. in this case and I, 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 to add to that where uh, about this complication or how large a change would be required to make any significant dent in that system through technology or through design so I, I was talking to a, f- a friend yesterday who is also who owns some land and they so he's in ag- agriculture so I, so I was talking to him about the work I do and he told me about a couple of farmers who still uh, who he knows personally who still don't see the or use a clock or watch for time they'll mm-hmm. say oh the stars in this position so we need to water our crop yeah. So that's so you're dealing with that those mental models, and mm-hmm. so very clearly, if you do a bit of research on that or get some insights, you realize that just building an app doesn't solve this. No, no. Uh, it's a huge cultural shift, yeah. uh, and just spending a couple of days in in the field working with farmers or just talking to them, you realize that you again, as I said, you IDEO could build the perfect app for Pakistani farmers, throwing in all their design knowledge, 
and Google could fund it with all their tech and data tech, and insights right, and everything right. else. And it could still fail yeah. miserably yeah. because the problem or the amount of change required to get any of that adapted or for people to use it is much, much larger. And world's best design companies did work on this right. sector in Pakistan. I don't want to name it. And it did not work out. Right. It did not work out. So th this, this is a complex problem. And I think people are also threatened mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I remember once uh, Bush said uh, when there was an attack on 9-11 that you are attacking our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think if you, you can really relate to that, that you are attacking their lifestyle. You know, they have been, they have learned how to live with that lifestyle. And when technology bring, comes in and then the, the, that sort of affects the lifestyle, yeah. it's not an easy buy-in. And, and I think the biggest mistake, which is very common for designers as well as I think technologists to make, is to think that you can go into somebody else's world yeah. and help them fix it yeah. or fix it for them using your degree or your skills. That is not going to happen. No. And that's probably the worst way of going into something like Agritech, where the users will tend to be, most of the users will tend to be that very different from you and but but that sort of savior complex that comes from i don't know higher education can come from having fancy jobs all of that contributes to a lot of people going in with that mentality it's like oh i will be the app that yeah. fixes this for you so i think that that's where the having the traits of empathy is really important having the you know being very conscious of the fact that what you know before this, this mm -hmm. current scenario we're making something for, for the agriculture industry might not work. Right, yeah. right. You know? But I think that's what really the essence of empathy is all about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of, you know, like saying that, okay, I'm on ground zero now mm -hmm. and I have to learn from scratch. Mm -hmm. but, but I must tell you, this is a very, very complex field. So, yeah. you know what yeah. I... So, this is, I think this is going to be a very interesting case study in Pakistan who brings the success. On the yeah, table. yeah. I think uh, we, should, we should do a field trip with yeah. Ali. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, when I, when I came in and I look at different sectors, when I moved back to Pakistan, I looked at different sectors and I thought Agritech would be the one I would love to work on. Mm -hmm. We did a study, we published a paper out of it, we did some research, but then I told myself, look, Suleiman, I can't do it. <laughs> it's just too complex and yeah. then I looked around and I said top telecom companies top you know agri-tech companies there's so many people working in this domain mm -hmm. and I have not seen we have not seen yeah. a real success which means the, the person uh, the company who sort of does it for the first time right. it's going to be a real case study I think it's going to teach us lots of things I think this is something we need to teach to our kids uh, in design school look mm -hmm. this is a journey mm -hmm. this happened for the last 10 years right. then somebody came in they did A, B, C, D mm -hmm. something we couldn't even think about and they have solved the problem right. I think that's going to be a very interesting case study from a, from a design perspective in Pakistan I don't know who will do that I hope really hopefully hope, Rikult. I, I really <laughs> hope Rikult, uh, does it I really hope that you guys sort of do with the right mindset mm -hmm. and with the right empathy and, and approach and process mm -hmm. but this is going to be the real Real right. challenge, and I think even if even the cases that have failed, you can find a lot of, yeah, uh, are really good case studies to teach at design as well as uh, engineering, engineering school. Yeah, one to talk about the thing I was uh, I mentioned earlier, where you can't go in with your knowledge or your smarts and think you can solve somebody else's problem, mm -hmm. and th I think that's a really big learning. Yeah. And and the other one would be that those projects, whether in, whether that's in Pakistan or somewhere else, did not necessarily fail because of any fault of the people making them. Yeah. They, sometimes things just fail because yeah. <laughs> what, you're, what you're trying to work on is way too complicated. Yeah. But along the way, hopefully you learn enough and then somebody else can maybe pick some scraps yeah. up. Maybe you can come back to that, to that problem a few years down the line. And that's where timing also comes in, which you can't really predict. No, no. So a lot of these sort of the whole journey, failures and hopefully someday success in agri-tech would I think are equally important to teach and sort of talk about. 
for example, I, somebody was telling me, you know, somebody who actually worked on a system that in terms of way before Easy Pesa, somebody else, for example, Jazz, mm-hmm. had a very interesting plan how to penetrate in the market, mm-hmm. but it didn't work out. Right. You know, and then Easy Pesa came in, became a big success. And then, of course, you know, uh, uh, Jazz Cash right. and other people are, of course, doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you, you maybe sometimes you come late, but then you can sort of right. learn from somebody else and then and start Mm-hmm. Uh, fixing things, but I think this is. I think there's a there's a lot to learn in, in the local market. Mm-hmm. So I've, I just opened the the Recall website mm-hmm. and uh, which needs to be updated. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just saying, as is the case with maybe all yeah. websites. Right. <laughs> but it, it, says, it shows you that we're actually working on the problem. <laughs> we haven't updated. <laughs> we're not fixing the, right. we the bloody website. And that's not our problem. Yeah, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we don't have time so, for that. Uh, yeah, the, the website is usually the, the kind of the backwater for right. like every company. Right. But reduce poverty clean water access, greater financial inclusion, less food spoilage, improved education, rural economic activity, better healthcare. These are pretty ambitious right. goals and yeah. plans. and uh, But also maybe very well connected. Yeah, and yeah. I think the, the in, uh, important thing here is these are lofty goals for sure. Yeah. And when you aim high, hopefully you end up somewhere uh, at a position where you help improve some of these. But uh, the other aspect is that a lot of these are more connected than people would think. So just on a very, very basic level, economic empowerment generally affects all of these, uh, all of these areas. And if your economy, again, 42% of your workforce is working in agriculture, and if you can make something that affects them, uh, affects that ecosystem even slightly, you end up improving, hopefully, the country's economy in some way. Uh, It's just the scale of it, where if if you're working in an industry where there are 30,000 users, you can probably, and if they're sort for, sort for instance spread out across the country, you can't really look at big bigger linkages because that's the thirty thousand people. You can improve their lives at a personal level maybe, but if you, if that's literally hundreds and thousands of people and their families, um, and then because they're growing and we're the rest of the people not working in uh, in agriculture are basically consumers for of agriculture. Yeah. So it, it the whole thing is so connected and it, it basically encompasses all of us. So if you can make even a slight dent in mm-hmm. in improving the situation of the people working in there, especially the smaller farmers who we target, uh, you really can affect all of these aspects at not just a small town level, but the country, hopefully. Yeah. So I, I really think that agri-tech warrants uh, probably a dedicated episode. And, <laughs> we should uh, do that someday. You know? Yeah, and uh, uh, wish you all the best of success at Recall and in, in your current position and hope it go- goes well for you. Thank you. So just to kind of uh, wind up, here's a question I usually ask most of our guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are, what are the top three design-related books that you've read that really inspired you and changed you? So Design of Everyday Things, for sure, I think that was the first design book I read from mm-hmm. cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And I happened to meet Don Norman really? at SCAD a couple of times. Okay. And I was just too starstruck to answer some uh, or <laughs> to really have a conversation, <laughs> but so that that's definitely definitely one. There's um, the IDEO founder. Okay. The... Okay. <laughs> so the book by yeah, the IDEO. Yeah, founder. Yeah. that's good enough. Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll look change, up the name. Uh, yeah, change by design. design. Change by design. design. I think yeah. that. Yeah. And the third one, which is which I actually only read um, a couple of years ago, uh, and it's really easy to di- digest for everyone. But I put it as a really important book because I think it's a really imp- interesting way for designers to, at any stage in their careers, and as well as people learning about design for the first time, to get a really nice intro into how big sort of the influence of design is. 
and that is called I think again th- I'm really bad with names but I think it's called 100 things designers should know okay. uh, and that basically literally yeah. T- yeah. covers yeah. things like oh pick, uh, that the human eye isn't a camera mm-hmm. it, there's a way we perceive things and designers should know that uh, so when you're making something and not all human eyes are the same and so really really simple rules like these and it's just two uh, like a spread per per rule and goes to 100 of these so i think any point in your career you can probably pick up pick that up open a couple of pages and learn something or at least be reminded of something you weren't thinking of so that's some that's something that i start uh, at least introducing my students to very early on yeah right so other 100 yeah. series is also very interesting there are multiple books yeah also. yeah yeah 100 <coughs> series very so, very so other than your work at recall is there anything else that you're doing other than that, uh, yeah, related so, to design, uh, yeah, so that I, might be an interest to our listeners out there. Right, so because I have this communication design background and then industrial design, and then my day job at Recult is a lot of research, a lot of trying to understand problems. Uh, oftentimes it's less about creating things than just, just research or just understanding. I still want to kind of tap into that thing of where you just want to make things. Uh, so I also work, I consult with a, with different clients, currently working with a startup that's based in California. Uh, so I did branding design for them. I'm now working on a couple of products for them. And, but that's v- a very different audience. It's like techies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just allows me to think about like a different audience, work on something that's less maybe strenuous about really trying to understand somebody's uh, problems. Mm-hmm. And being like, oh, I, kn- I understand the user. They're more like me. I can probably build these things and test them out. So it's like, it's like an outlook for your creative energy. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. I teach. Uh, so I teach at yeah. ITU, which is Information Technology University, the, a, co- a course called DLab, which is centered around teaching design, human-centered design uh, to engineers. Mm. So that's sort of my couple of things I do. Right, right, right. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> so so this, is, this is really, it's really nice to hear that you you're doing so many different things and I hope it, it kind of inspires our listeners to you know take a, a leap and, and try something different as well uh, just a, a couple of last you know closing questions product design mm-hmm. industrial design do you have any plans to work on any physical products I do if anyone listening needs to make a product I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, so uh, I do actually. <laughs> we can talk about this yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I've worked on a couple of um, over the last couple of years on a couple of products for uh, for like a start one for a startup one for somebody who wanted to do something crowdfund something in Pakistan that there's less of an opportunity because we just don't make things build things here mm. uh, so I've kind of put that on a back burner but I do want to return to it hopefully in not too many years okay. uh, but I have a feeling that wouldn't be in Pakistan uh, as much as uh, um, or the probability would definitely be higher if I wasn't in Pakistan. Great. So let's see. Great. Okay, let's see now. So uh, thanks a lot, Ali. Uh, it's been really nice talking to you, uh, uh, Min Suleiman. Uh, Absolutely a pleasure to have you here. Yeah. Thank and, you. And uh, hope to speak to you soon again. Thank you. And we'll talk about the product you want to make. Yeah. <laughs> Thank okay. you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Design Better Podcast. You can listen to more episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Design Better for promos, sneak peeks, and updates. Today's podcast was produced by Timbuktu Productions on behalf of Design Better. Design Better is a community initiative to promote user experience and design in Pakistan. 
रिकॉर्डिंग में कोई मसला हो जाए रात के वक्त अगर आप खोलते हैं आपको पता ना लॉक नहीं मिलता आपको इंसर्ट करना मुश्किल हो जाता है कुछ भी नहीं so i actually uh-huh. had a vitronics ka swizami knife i had it for like 6 months aur uh, pata nahi chala i went on a flight from lahore to karachi mere sab bhi hua and it was in my backpack had, had same they take it away yeah who took it away because you can't go into airport exactly. a, with the oh plane with this oh my god that is so bad yeah yeah and it came out ho gayi hogi ha ha it was 6 months old because i just can't come back from the us kitne ka hoga wo yaar ये क्या चीज अंदर मैंने कहा डायमंड मैंने कहा यार कुछ भी नहीं है कहता सर कुछ है मैं उसने दोबारा किया उसको मैंने दोबारा कैमोफ्लेच करने की कोशिश की और समय शायद बचत हो जाए सडन आई थॉट के नहीं सुने मान आई शुड नॉट डू इट अदरवाइज कुछ तमाशा हो गया हां यू भी अंदर हो गया और इसमें मेरी स्टोरी में एक और इससे ज्यादा सैड बात ये थी कि मैंने गॉट टू द गॉट टू कराची गॉट टू गॉट टू माय होटल बैग फेंक का उसमें जीदा निकाल रहा था सो आई सो के बैग के अंदर एक एग्जैक्टो नाइफ थी वो उन्होंने नहीं ली लाइक एन एक्चुअल शार्प पेपर कटर वो बैग में था वो उन्होंने जाने दिया बैग जाने नहीं इनके सिस्टम बहुत खराब है मैंने मेरे पास एक और सिस्टम ऐसा है जो स्क्रू ड्राइवर वाला सिस्टम है वो उसको कभी नहीं रोकते एक दफा रोका कोयटा के अंदर मैंने कहा यार जाने दो ठीक है सर क्राउडसोर्सिंग सो मेरा पहला सवाल ये है कि व्हाट्स योर नेम जी मेरा नाम अली मुत्सा है अच्छा एंड योर प्लेस ऑफ बर्थ लाहौर लाहौर है लाहौर है लाहौर है लाहौर 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 नहीं है लाहौर 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 दैट्स रे बोलते हैं ना आपको पता ना मतलब
तजर्बा करूंगा आपको दिखाऊंगा वो वीडियो पड़ी हुई है मेरे पास ताशवीन के पास पड़ी हुई है अभी भी इसमें ऑन कर देना विदाउट टेलिंग अस अच्छा ताशवीन बोल के मुझे कहना वो दे मैंने अभी भी इसमें ऑन कर देना हां हां एग्जैक्टली थोड़ी सी गुफ्तगू उसके साथ कर लेते आई हैड अ स्टूडेंट एक्चुअली नॉट इवन माय स्टूडेंट बट शी वाज इन अंडरग्रेड आईटीयू में फर्स्ट ईयर सो आईटीयू वाज सो शी शी आई थिंक शी वाज इन द कंप्यूटर साइंस प्रोग्राम तो आई आई डिड दिस सॉर्ट ऑफ शॉर्ट कोर्स ऑन इंट्रो टू डिजाइन दिस फाइव पार्ट सीरीज लाइक आई थिंक 3 आवर लेक्चर स्लैश वर्कशॉप फाइव ऑफ देम ओवर फाइव वीक्स it was just to introduce people to what design was other than embellishment at at ITU so it was for engineering students from both uh, disciplines so this this student came in first year student and attended all five five of them did the workshop did the uh, workshop and everything um so like i think six months or four months later uh, she comes to me and like oh to uh, sir in ca ke test ke liye kya karna hota hai aapko kuch pata hai uske bare mein main kuch bata deta hu so we talked about that a little earlier टू मंथ्स लेटर शी कम्स टू मी विद लाइक लिटल गुडी बैग आपके लिए मैंने क्यों कहती है वो सिर्फ मैंने मैं एंस के जा रही हूँ डिज़ाइन पढ़ने सो तो बिकॉज आपसे इस क्लास से पहले आई डेंट नो के फैशन डिज़ाइन के अलावा कुछ डिज़ाइन और होता है बट वेन आई वॉज इन दैट आई रियलाइज दिस इज वॉट आई ऑलवेज वॉन्टेड टू डू बट आई डेंट नो दिस वॉज अ थिंग सो बिकॉज अगेन बिकॉज दैट्स अ पब्लिक स्कूल इज वेल तो a lot of our students who come in mm-hmm. even undergrad again young people living today uh, they still don't know anything about design other than or fashion design hota hai aur koi art hota hai so and you literally can at that level uh, for the first time introduce them to design so mera kya usually because i teach a course that's for third year students so a lot of my focus is on not telling not saying ke chale jao yahan se parents ka paisa daya karo but it's more about care a grad school mein you can you have this option for design and uh, and i j- firmly believe this as well ke ek acha engineer agar design pad le na so they can have my job and do it much better than me any day uh, for a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of types of uh, uh, jobs so unka mera yeh wish hota hai ke grad school agar aapne karna hai na this is something that you can study and the, a lot of my students are now starting to apply for design school for grad school क्योंकि अंडरग्रेड के या अंडरग्रेड के बाद कोई वो पता नहीं था ना ke, or so, 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 one of the months students is, uh, well not students but Uh, someone who works in the mm-hmm. lab was a CS grad uh, mm-hmm. and then went abroad and did a, a right. degree in design and yeah. innovation and has come back and is working in school. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, if I was the education minister, mm-hmm. I would uh, you know pass a law making it mandatory to have these seminars and lectures at the high school level. Yeah, yeah. Telling people about different their option, options. And yeah, options for sure. Yeah. In, That's in, very in, in design. Yeah. And I think it's is is criminal not to tell mm-hmm. uh, children about it yeah yeah and yes. I, i realized that because i meet so many students who for the first time like oh ye bhi hota hai ye design hota hai jo aap kisi ne mujhe kaha tha ki aapki class mein design padhenge to humne kaha yaar mujhe mai drawing bhi nahi aati maine design nahi padhna pre mandatory course hai to aa gaya i think one of the problems with the education system one of just one of them there's so many there's so many is not giving children the exposure so that they can make informed decisions yeah, yeah. about what degrees to pursue. No, but even more than that the Because problem like is four years is a long time. Yeah. and a lot of investment of time mm-hmm. and money. Actually may I think what I can what I'll do is I'll uh connect these to to design. Where <laughs> so uh actually this could be like a um could have I I could have maybe talked about this a little but 
uh, it's I don't know if it's this is funny, but uh, in terms of design or like learning or being really sort of realizing how dumb you have been or you, you how dumb your decision was to think that you were smart enough to make something for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I was I worked on this project where um, for it was about around financial inclusion and we were again building like this guide for how you can design products for financial inclusion for women specifically in Pakistan. Uh, and made these mock-ups and designs for for the app, and I, our, think, I think you talked about this in UX Pakistan. Also, oh, the the or the next yeah. that flipped around. No, 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 so, not so, not, not, not a complete. So story. it was it was okay. basically this part of it, which I which I always remember, like every time I'm building a mock-up, because it was such a an, uh, an incident. An yeah, it was like oh shit, <laughs> what, what was I thinking? <laughs> so where me and like a couple of other people working on this, we had these mock-ups, and we said, oh, our in- app is in English, and then in Ur- has an option of Urdu. So of course, when it, it's in Urdu, all our arrows which point to a certain direction for next and back will flip mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. So made these mock-ups went into the field. And no one understood, like everyone thought back was front and front was back. <laughs> uh, and the first part of this was that because this was a, f- uh, a financial management app, uh, you had money coming and going. So suddenly all the money that was coming in, people thought was going. <laughs> <laughs> and now that is, yeah, right. that is funny. <laughs> so, and scary so and the, the really simple reason this happened was that us being sort of these again, with our fancy degrees and training, which is like, oh, so English goes from le- this direction and Urdu goes so from the other direction. So forward goes this way, back yeah. goes that way. So that we'll just flip, flip it around. As soon as we started testing this, we realized that because pretty much all of our users use Android and Android has a na- native back button. Yeah, yeah. So everything is dictated by that native back button. So back always remains that yeah. in the same direction because it remains that oh, way in the native button. It's a physical right. thing. It's a button. You can't change. Yeah. Right. No, no. <laughs> and because... We uh, most of our users were here as well. Were illiterate. Uh, they weren't coming from the bias of oh books go this way or text goes this way and this is forward and this is back in a book in Urdu or English, which is the model that we were coming from. Right. And so no the, the model was uh, it was like here's the phone. Right. And this is where the back button is. On exactly. The phone. And yeah. back is this way, fronts that way, and it remains that way. Um, so yeah, I remember wow. that every time because it was all of our mockups were. In like the wrong said. direction. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's like a combining. In the USA, you would have been sued for this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrong intentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're oh, getting people to send you money while yeah, they exactly. think they're receiving oh. money. <laughs> I'm gonna switch this off now.